Wings for the game, boom, cash back. New lucky jersey, boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. And oh, did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 94. I'll save you the intrigue. DeMarcus Ware. That's a pretty good one, right? No, there's one other one, and I forgot to bring it up. Who? I wore 94 in my Lions training camp. Oh. <laughs> Didn't get out of training camp, but I did wear jersey number 94. I don't What have number it. are you wearing behind you? That was 94. Oh, I that's it. Yeah, I got to bring the picture up. I forget it's it's as we're moving my office. Oh, I see. Uh, it's over in the new office, but I wore jersey number ninety four with the Detroit Lions for training camp. All right, well, we'll celebrate Demarcus Ware and Rick Spielman today. So that's exciting. Episode ninety four. We're almost to a hundred, Rick. I can't believe it. Of course, that's Rick Spielman. I'm Ryan Wilson. Now that we're halfway-ish, because we play 17 games through the NFL season, we're going to grade all the first-round rookies on the defense for number three overall pick, Will Anderson Jr., through the final selection of round one, Felix and Odike Uzama. Uh, we'll start, though, with some trade deadline reactions, and we'll also look ahead to some of the big college games we'll be watching on Saturday, ahead of next Tuesday's pop or drop. But, Rick, before we go any further, if you're watching us on YouTube at NFL and CBS, you can see the official with the first pick draft countdown board. What do we got? We have 175 days till the NFL in 2024 draft and 75 more days that I continue to build up Ryan Wilson's (laughs) self-esteem to tear it down at the 100-day mark. And I did look it up. January 15th, 2024 will be D-Day for Ryan Wilson. So mark your calendars accordingly. Uh, As for today, though, this defensive group has been pretty special, both along the line of scrimmage and in the secondary there were 16 defensive first-rounders, and Rick and I each took eight names. We'll put a letter grade on them with pluses or minuses, if you so choose, Rick. I did Based, not. You, you choose not to. You choose stubbornness over common sense, but that's it's gotten you to this point. Um, so we'll we'll do that. And if you missed it, by the way, on Tuesday, it was another pop or drop. Rick and I looked at quarterbacks Caleb Williams of USC, Tulane's Michael Pratt, and also talked about a pair of US, UCLA edge rushers, Notre Dame running back, and a Texas A&M wide receiver. And we handed out our rookie first-round offensive grades last week. You can check those shows out in the old podcast feed. And by the way, 
Remember, leave us a five-star review on our podcast, nominate an FBS or FCS college player, and we'll evaluate his draft prospects on an upcoming show. Keep them coming. It's early November, but we got time. All right, Rick, let's get to it. We're going to start quickly with the trade deadline reaction. Can you explain the thought process of the Chicago Bears, a team that a year ago at the trade deadline gave up a second-round pick, which ended up being the 32nd overall pick, to the Steelers for Chase Claypool, who now plays for the Dolphins. This time around, they got Montez Sweat, who's a really good edge rusher, 27 years old, final year of his rookie deal, for another second-round pick. Now, is the thinking that we're just going to sign him because we know he's good and we're not going to gamble in the draft or whatever that pick would be, or is there some hope that perhaps doesn't seem realistic that they're going to make a run and they want to have their defense strengthened? Yeah, I don't see them making a run. I think that's a little bit unrealistic expectations right now, especially with their quarterback situation and the way they've they've been playing uh, on both sides of the ball. So I looked at this as they're trying to make a future move. Um, also, they may have looked at the draft board and seeing where the pass rushers are. And in the second round, do we still have an opportunity to maybe get one of the pass rushers? If not, it falls off. We'd rather take a shot on Montez Sweat. The thing that's concerning, though, is just reading through the clips today is that they want to try to extend Montez Sweat. Because if you're not going anywhere or going into the playoffs, and you just traded a valuable second round pick as you're trying to be, rebuild that roster to Montez Sweat. And Ryan Poles has come out and says, yes, we want to get an extension done with him, which I understand. But Montez Sweat is saying on his Twitter account or whatever it came out is that I want to wait and look at all my options at the end of the season. So this would be a disastrous trade if you <laughs> gave away a second round pick and not evil and not able to retain the player. Isn't this a conversation that you, the general manager has with the agent and the player prior to pulling the trigger on the trade? Well, the one thing is as you have to get permission from the team that you're trying to trade with, that you can talk to the agent. So I would call. And if I was trying to do that deal, I would talk to Marty Herney, Martin Mayhew, whoever was taking the calls and say, listen, we'll, give you that pick. But before we can do that, I need to speak to the agent to make sure that we can get a contract extension done, or at least they're willing to work on a contract extension. I don't know how close it came to the deadline on getting this done, Mm. but there is always a process in place because first thing is popping in my mind. And what I'm going to have to answer to in a GM role is that, all right, I just gave away a valuable second round pick. And I have this guy for the second half of the season, and I don't have him after that. What have I accomplished? <laughs> what happens if you make Unless this Unless you're deciding to, because you have so much money, franchise him because you Ew. can't get the deal done. Ew. Then you're in a situation there. Ew. What if the owner or owners, uh, plural, see the tweet from Montez about, I'm going to keep my options open, and then they call you and say, um, Rick, what, what's going on? I thought you said this would be sorted out. Uh, hopefully you've had those conversations with the ownership because if I was in an owner seat, I want to know what's it going to cost me to extend this guy if right. we get a second-round pick. What's our cash commitment to the player and how are we going to make this work? So I'm assuming that those conversations were done. 
So as we sit here, Chicago has the number two pick, which is the Carolina Panthers pick. They had their number three pick, their own number, uh, their their own pick, and then now they don't pick again until sixty eight in the third round and one hundred three in the fourth round. They've given up what's probably the thirty third or thirty fourth pick as we sit here uh, to get Montez Sweat. But to your point, if you like Montez Sweat and you like him coming out and you think you can sign him, I don't hate the idea of, of getting a good edge rusher for for a second round pick that's proven himself in the NFL already, right? If he's on your team next year. <laughs> right, right. That's a big if. Um, okay. Montez came from Washington. His teammate and bookend mate, if you want to call him that, Chase Young, was also traded for a third rounder, which is feels like stealing if you're San Francisco 49ers, who now have Nick Bosa reunited with Ohio State teammate Chase Young. You have Armstead in the middle. You have Hargrave in the middle. You have Drake Jackson outside who started strong and maybe didn't flash as much as they wanted, and that's why they went out and got Chase Young. Uh, but – Let's not talk about the 49ers. Let's talk about the Commanders. Are they just throwing up their hands and giving up on the season and stockpiling picks? Because now they have a second rounder for Montez. They have the third rounder for Chase Young. Their offensive line is a mess, and, and Sam uh, Howell's running for his life every week. I think it's it's going to be interesting to see, and I don't know the the, 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 the dynamic behind the scene, but was this directed from the ownership? Because if I'm Ron Rivera, if I'm the front office, we have to win games maybe to keep our job or the new ownership yeah. may end up blowing it up. The best way to keep our job is to keep sweat and to keep chase. <laughs> if they're no longer there, Toll Hill's okay. Two Hill is okay as edge rush, but they don't have any depth there at the, at the uh, position. So that are going to replace those two guys. So if the owner came down and said, we need to start building for the future, we need the draft picks. I can understand why they did that, even though they're still technically in the hunt. Um, but this was, I don't know if this came from ownership or if this was the decision made between Ron Rivera and the front office to move forward, but they gave away two very good pass rushers. That is the strength of the commander's defense. And now you've taken a strength and made it a weakness, except right. for the two inside guys, Allen and Payne are pretty good players. So, with that, does that give you a better chance to win games? I, in my mind, it doesn't. So if I'm trying to fight for my job and the owner came down and says, get rid of these two guys, I want the draft picks for next year because we're going to start rebuilding, what confidence is that saying to Ron Rivera in the front office that you're going to be there next year? Unless they already said, you'll be here next year, we're going to rebuild, go ahead and do this and don't worry about it. I don't know that for a fact. Yeah, don't worry about it. Famous last words. No, you'll be fine. Don't, don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, heard that many a time. <laughs> uh, by the way, so you say there, Washington has the 11th pick, the 37th pick, which is the one they just got from Chicago. So it was pick 37, pick 42, 73. And then they have a, a compensatory pick in the third round, which is pick 100. And, I mean, that looks nice to have five picks in the top 100, but you also don't have Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Uh, as you noted, two, uh, two of the four best players in that defense – if you're Jonathan, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go unless ahead. they're trying to make a power move to accumulate all those draft picks, to depending on where they end up, and try to make a run at either Williams or Drake May. Okay, I mean it's going to take more than those five picks and some later first rounders, but I get I it. Understand? I get it. But what about? Let me ask you this, and, and then we'll move on. Jonathan Allen had some pretty pointy comments after a recent loss. I don't remember which one. I don't know if you heard him, but he was pretty fired up and not happy with the direction of the way things were going and the losing. And he made that clear. Uh, 
dropping some F-bombs along the way, and I understand the frustration. What is he thinking now? I mean, this is before the trade. Now you get rid of two of your best players. What's he supposed to – what are you supposed to tell this guy? Well, that'll be interesting how Ron Rivera can keep the troops rallied down in that locker room uh, because you're giving away two key players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So what message did that send? What sounded like you you indicated were indicate, – well – hey, we're giving up on a season. I don't know that, but that's what you're assuming on the outside. Uh, but how do you keep that team going uh, when you gave away two uh, critical pieces on the defensive side of the ball and especially critical pieces that can rush the passer? All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll uh, get to this first round rookie defensive grades. And um, I'm looking over Rick's grades right now. And I won't tell you if you included pluses or minuses, but you'll find out together after the break. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Rick, uh, I, I'm now hesitant to tell you this because I didn't mention this explicitly in the rules, but my own personal Ryan Wilson grading system, I didn't want to give anyone worse than a C- minus just because I'm a, I'm a softie. So I'm just letting you know that. It doesn't affect your grades. I just grade, I grade on a little different curve than you do, but we'll figure it out at the end. Don't get angry. Don't get nervous. No, it's, I got 75 days to say, great job, Ryan. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, as I mentioned at the top, Debo split these guys up, eight each for me and Rick. And uh, we'll go back and forth and we'll share our grades and our explanations. Rick, you're first up with Will Anderson Jr. taking third overall. Hey, hey, I choose A. <laughs> <laughs> so the sack totals haven't been off the charts, but that's not necessarily the point, right? No, no. Just watching him on tape with the energy and effort that he plays with. Uh, the sack numbers aren't there, but he is so disruptive getting the quarterback off the spot. I love the effort he gives chasing the quarterback outside the pocket, redirecting the screens. He plays strong at the point versus tight ends. He needs to get a little stronger versus offensive tackles, but he's productive in the run game. He looks very quick twitched. I know there were some questions on if he was going to be a quick twitch speed guy off the edge. I think he looks every bit of that. And he's really getting good at using his hands. So you've seen week one and where he's at right now, and that's what you want to see in these rookie players if they're progressing. And he is definitely improving every week. And the thing that impressed me the most was his ability to knock the offensive tackles' hands away 
and not get locked on and then using counters off of that. So I'm looking at just the the raw stats here, just to the first round picks on the defensive side of the ball. He's second in tackles with 27. Tackles aren't the end-all, be-all, but he's also second in pressures with 25 behind some young man named Jalen Carter, who I think is probably going to be okay. Uh, he only has one sack, but I mentioned the 25 pressures. That's what gets your attention. He's pressuring on 13% of his his pass rushes, and I think you can probably live with that as someone in the first two months of his NFL career. All right, I like it. I'll live with that. I'll live with it, too. All right, I'm going to go to my guy, and you like this guy, too, Devin Witherspoon. A plus. He has been a, a, a tone setter when he's been healthy out there. He can play outside. They've gradually started moving him inside. And he can be, even though he's quote unquote undersized, he's extremely physical with whether it's a slot receiver, whether it's a tight end, whether it's a running back coming downhill and smacking him in the face. I love the edge that he brings to that secondary. And I feel like he's trying to bring back Legion of Boom 2.0. And, um, you know, he has a lot to do with it. He had that pick six against Daniel Jones on national television that went 99 yards, I believe. I have found very little wrong with what he's been able to do, especially playing that position, because sometimes cornerbacks can struggle making the transition early on from college to to the NFL. And I don't feel like he's had much of a struggle at all with the transition. No, excellent. Very good player. Oh, I thought you meant my grade was excellent. It, it's an A. <laughs> all right, next up. Oh, I was confused. I said that you might get plus or minuses. I re- I just realized that Debo put our grades together. So those pluses or minuses are mine. So Rick yeah. went all, all letter grades, no pluses or minuses. I can't believe that. Our, we talked to Kyle Rudolph, by the way. You can check that out on YouTube. He agreed with Rick, basically, with the grading system. So I feel like this is a Minnesota Vikings oversight. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. All right, next up, Tyree Wilson, a guy that we liked a lot coming out, had the foot injury last November now, almost a year ago at Texas Tech. I don't know if he's fully recovered. doesn't seem like he is. What'd you give him, Rick? I gave him a D as in Debo. <laughs> All right. He's uh, It's interesting to watch him. He's in a rotation uh, playing from a two-point stance. To me, it looks like he's playing like he's painting by the numbers. Yeah. He's just let it go. Uh, he's running into the blockers as a pass rusher. He has no counter moves, doesn't have a rush plan. Needs to get his pads down as a run defender. And it's hard when you're watching Max Crosby on one side and him on the other side. It's night and day difference in the speed that they play at and the energy and effort they play with. So I think he'll still be a good player. I think he just has to just pin his ears back and go. And that's something he's not doing right now. D is maybe the case. What's that? D is in Debo. And it may be the case that he doesn't trust himself physically, right? Because his foot's not where he wants it to be. Uh, right now, we're beyond that. Now it's just... It oh, just, you think so? Yeah. Just okay. go. Just go. Okay. It's a and mess I, out there right now anyway, as we know. Yeah. That's, oh, man. That's the other thing. I mentioned that uh, Will Anderson was getting home on the pressure percentage uh, over 13% of the time. Tyree Wilson is like 5%. So that sort of gives you some indication of just in terms of the stats where they are. Okay. Debo for Tyree Wilson. I don't know if that's more disrespectful to Tyree or Debo, but I'm going to go with Jalen Carter. Debo's giving me all the layups, by the way, because I, I treat him nicely. Um, your dog loves Jalen Carter. Yeah, no, as soon as you said Jalen Carter, they're like chasing their tails all around them, doing figure eights through the living room right now. I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him a Devin Witherspoon A plus. Uh, the issue, only issue, is that he hasn't been available all the time because of the injuries. But I'm just grading on what I see when they're out there and. 
he has been as close to unstoppable. Has you have you seen a rookie through two months that has been as close to unstoppable as Jalen Carter? No, he's played very well, both against the run and as an inline pass rusher. And everything that you saw on tape when you graded the flashes, uh, but when in rotation, and we talked about this earlier in some podcasts last year when we were grading these guys. I was hard on defensive tackles that didn't go hard every snap, but you have to remember they're playing 70, 80 snaps a game. Here, when they're in a rotation playing 25, 30, 35 snaps a game, they can stay fresh. And when they're fresh, you can see what the result is like we're seeing with Carter. Yeah. I mean, if we had this to do over again, the draft, I would imagine how high does he go? Uh, Playing-wise, I don't think the issue dropped him because of his play. Right. It was all the other things that he was dealing with in the pre-draft process. All right. I'll say two. Okay. Football-wise. I'll help you out there. Thank you. All right. Next up, <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, Lucas Van Ness. We talked to him several times during the pre-draft process. Smart dude. New, not new to football. He didn't start at all at Iowa. He was he had played football. And I remember one of the stories he told us before the draft is that he was introduced to football, I think, in high school when he went up against Peter Skaronsky, and he figured out real quick what division one talent looks like he's grown into his body so to speak and i think he's flashed at times for the packers yes i gave him a b all right and the reason i gave him a b was because anyone that plays hard and to me as i used to say he's a going jesse on tape (laughs) he's a high motor high energy guy the thing is when we talked about him coming out in the draft was he going to be a three tech where they're going to put weight on him and get him up to 290 300 was he a base end they're playing him right now from a two point as an outside edge rusher. And he is not nearly as quick as Will Anderson is getting off the snap as a rusher, <clears throat> but you can see his natural power. He can walk some offensive tackles back there. He's playing strong at the point versus the run. I think he's trying to make the adjustment of learning how to play from a two point stance. Now they'll put him in a three point some, but they're trying to do the same thing they did with uh, Gary, uh, who yeah. just got a nice contract extension. And it took him a while to adjust from his rookie year to where he's at now. So I see that same path within Ness. And the reason I gave him a B is because of his energy and effort that he plays with. And there was no question about that when you evaluated him on tape uh, when he came out. Passionate player, loves to play the game. Speaking of energy and effort, I have Will McDonald the fourth uh, for the Jets there, who at the time we were wondering why the Jets took him. It felt a little high. That was the situation where the Patriots traded down, the Steelers traded up, took Broderick Jones, leapfrogging the Jets, and the Jets maybe wanted an offensive tackle, but instead went edge rusher. Um, but Will McDonald's has placed a lot of energy and effort. He hasn't played a lot. He's only played uh, 64 snaps. And by comparison, we talked about Will Anderson. Will Anderson has played – 308 snaps, so uh, about 20%, uh, 80% fewer snaps than than what we've seen with Will Anderson. But energy and effort's there. He needs to get stronger, and you know that's sort of the things we talked about uh, coming out of Iowa State. Um, but I give him credit for for trying hard, and that sounds like I, I'm being derogatory, but I mean that in a good way. Uh, I think he actually is a little better versus the run when the in the te- in the, the the games that I watched, which is interesting because he's so long. And, and Bendy, but I think he's going to get better. They have a deep rotation, so they don't need him out there, but I gave him a C just because we haven't seen a lot of him. Yep, I, I would agree with you. I'm not going to argue with you on that. Yeah, you got 75 days. You might as well save your energy. 
All right, this one is incredibly disappointing to me because I had such high expectations for Emmanuel Forbes. Uh, we talked, to, you talked about seeing him at Mississippi State, Alabama last fall, and he's he was a ball hawk in college, and he spends a lot of time when you're watching the highlights. I haven't gone back and watched him closely. When you see you watching the highlights, he's usually running after someone down the field, and, and it's not a good thing. So, what's going on with Emmanuel Forbes? D as in Debo. Two Debos. <laughs> yeah, two Debos. Uh, he got benched after the Chicago game. Uh, the issue is, you know, we talked about it during the pre-draft process, is 165 pounds going to be an issue? And it's showing up to be an issue. I still think he moves well. I think that he has to anticipate routes better. I think he's jumping on some throws. Uh, he is not strong when he goes up and gets the ball in contested situation. Don't watch the A.J. Brown tape. Oh, please. They know it. So that's the 165-pound issue you're talking about, that yes. at the top of the routes. Got gotcha. you. At the top of the routes and going up. And even in run support, he's more than willing. I don't have a question that he's not willing. He just bounces off and misses some tackles just because he's so, so light. Uh, he gives up a lot of cushion and zone coverage. He's playing probably without a lot of confidence right now. Uh, doesn't mean he's going to be a bust, but right now he is. He has really struggled. So I'm going to give him a D for Debo. So, and you talk about this all the time. And when I say, "Hey, just make him gain 15 pounds," but then he runs a four six five or whatever, you know, he slows down. So what's What's the solution to someone who you knew was like coming in? You liked his tape, but suddenly the you know, the, the other of- thing that was disappointing is what? that he, he he had one interception. He had a chance for two others, and the thing that made him unique was his ball skills. And he's dropped two interceptions. So I just think it is a mental thing right now, yeah, and a lack of confidence. Um, but I think that will come in time. Well, he's not going to be 180 pounds. You knew that when you drafted him because that's when you're having your strength coach and all your sports science experts look at his body. How much can we put on this frame? Uh, and we had the alert. If it's a B alert, then that means we can add bulk to him. He was more probably an F alert, which means frame, which means you're probably going to get what you get. So mm. you know what you're bringing in. You know what the issues are. Now you're going to have to live with those issues. But I think that once he gets his confidence back a little bit of that swag he showed down at mississippi state he'll be fine i think it's the strength is always going to be an issue but the confidence for a corner is critical and i think he's lost all that confidence especially when they benched him right after the chicago game would it ever be the occasion that you especially with a rookie would you as a general manager pull him to the side and say hey don't take being benched the wrong way try to get your mind right or is that something you left to the coaches no, I, I, that's the coaches. I didn't want to try to get too much involved with the players. Yeah. I'm not coaching them. Uh, yeah. You know, now I, I would probably talk with his agent. You know, I did a lot of had a lot of conversations with agents on players during the season because I know the agent's going to talk to the player as well. They can say, hey, I talked to Rick. This is what he's saying. You right. know, I pretty much let the coach player relationship alone and let let that be with those two. Gotcha. All right, another Debo on Rick's list. This one to Emmanuel Forbes. I'm going to go to Christian Gonzalez, who has – he's on IR. I don't know if he's coming back or not, but he had such a great start to the season. I'm just going to grade him on what he did. I gave him an A. Uh, I thought he played – he exceeded expectations because we talked about Emmanuel Forbes and the toughness and the ball skills and all the things coming out. 
one of the questions about Christian Gonzalez was the ball skills. We saw that in the final year at Oregon. And then the toughness, uh, did he have the right mindset to be a cornerback in the NFL? And he showed pretty quickly that he did. He, he seemed to be understanding what his responsibilities were early on. We saw the physicality. He has the length. He had the interception against the Eagles uh, in that game early in the season where he was playing center field and sort of did a baseball tournament made a play at the sidelines. I have been extremely impressed with Christian Gonzalez and another nail in the coffin for this Patriots team is that uh, one of their best players, this one just being a rookie, happened to get hurt. Matt Judon has been injured. Kendrick Bourne, I think, just towards ACL. So that team can't catch a break. But when Christian Gonzalez is back, I think he, he's he's important to what they do defensively. Yeah, besides Witherspoon, uh, he's probably been the most impressive corner out there. And then I have a guy I want to talk about that I really liked as well. But he was up there as one of the top corners, and they got great value where they drafted him. Right. He went, he's the pick they got when they traded down with the Steelers in the middle of the first round. And some people, myself included, thought he might be a top 10 pick. All right. The Detroit Lions second first round pick. They took Jameer Gibbs at 12 and they circled back and got another surprising pick in terms of the position they targeted. But this guy has been really good. Jack Campbell, linebacker out of Iowa. Yeah. I love the little subtleness on how you patted yourself on the back saying that you thought he was going to be a top 10 pick or should have been a top 10 pick. Way to go. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It may not work out for me, so we'll see. <laughs> uh, on uh, on Gonzalez. Oh, my God. Self-promotion. Don't like that in my meetings. <laughs> All right, Debo, cut that part out because I don't want Rick to feel uncomfortable. <laughs> All right. Uh, without promoting yourself, tell us about Jack Campbell. Hey, hey, love Jack Campbell. Uh, they'll play him from a stack position. They'll play him for, uh, at the edge sometimes. Uh, very instinctive versus a run. Better athlete than I think people thought he was going to be coming out. He'll attack downhill. He uses his hands, although he'll get tied up some. But he has a knack for slipping blocks. He has great range to the outside on runs. He's athletic enough in zone coverage. He's got his hands on a couple balls. Uh, and he's not a dynamic blitzer or with a pass rusher when they bring him off the edge at times, but he is a very good old school, but size, athleticism, speed, everything you're looking for. And I think he is, is, is everything that they expected uh, when they drafted Jack Campbell. Have you been surprised how good he's been in coverage? I think that a little bit, He's better in coverage than I was anticipating. Now, I don't know if they're going to put it. They don't put him in many man situations. But when he has to go and, and you know, on a swing route or something, he is a missile on a mission. And there is no holding back because he's going to run through contact like a lot of people don't like to do sometimes. <laughs> this kid loves the uh, contact and the impact of tackling people. I mentioned the Will Anderson at 27 tackles so far this season. Jack Campbell has 30, and he leads among the, the rookie first-rounders. Uh, it is interesting. And, and he's yeah. rotating in there. It's not even a full-time, full-time starter. That's right. He's played about uh, 60 fewer snaps than, than Will Anderson as I look at this. And maybe not interesting is the right word. It, it makes sense when you think about it. They would get someone like Jack Campbell. They would get someone like Brian Branch, guys who do like to run through contact and through the football, the person carrying the football, and do it consistently and, and send a message. I won't mention the part where I thought Brian Branch should have been a first-round pick because you don't like that. No, we'll, we'll self-promote in our next series. Yeah, that'll be our after hours with the first pick podcast. <laughs> All right, Jack Campbell gets an A. Kalijah Cansey. I was excited to see him play because he had the calf injury uh, through preseason, 
and he missed uh, the early part of the regular season. But when he got out there, he's a little twitched up bowling ball. Like he's he's fun, and they line him up up and down the formation. Um, I don't want to say the short arms stick out, but sometimes it felt like when the offensive tackles locked on, that was a wrap. And I don't know if that's short arms or if that's lack of – he doesn't have lack of strength. I, I don't know what else it would be. But I was impressed with the way he played. I gave him a B plus. I thought he was a fun player to watch. And I hopefully he stays healthy and can continue to contribute. Uh, do you have any comments in terms of the short arms being an yeah, issue? Yeah, no, that's the issue. Was okay. You have All to right. be an exceptional athlete. There's no question he's a good athlete. But can he counter uh, once those – big paws of the offensive right. lineman get locked on you, especially if they short set you. And does he get neutralized if he doesn't have space to work with? My question to you was, uh, and I didn't get an opportunity to see him because he was hurt when I was down there. How's he holding up against the run? Are they utilizing more just in nickel pass rush situations? He can get pushed off the line of scrimmage, but also showed the ability to di- disengage early. And he actually he had a nice rep against Panay Sewell in that game against the Lions, where he he used his hands, got off the block quickly, got into the backfield, made a tackle, uh, and that was a flash play. But I, I noticed that he did struggle at times to 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 remain stout at the point, just because he was getting not pushed four yards back into the secondary, but he wasn't he wasn't Jalen Carter to to take it to the other extreme. But I, I've been I was pleasantly surprised with the way he played, and that rep against Panay stuck out for sure. Um, Three tech, five tech. They actually line him up at seven tech a couple times. Um, so I gave him a B plus. I thought that was because uh, that was an interesting pick when you have twenty nine inch arms. It's rare to hear your name called among the first thirty two. But uh, the calf injury sidelined him for the first month of the season. But he came out and it's been playing pretty well. All right, back to you, Deontay Banks out of Maryland, the cornerback taken by the Giants. B for Banks. B, B. for Banks. B for Banks. Uh, been a starter all season. They play a lot of man coverage. I love this kid's swagger and confidence. He plays like he's been there forever, and nothing seems to phase him. Now, mm-hmm. technical issues, yes. Is he a little bit inconsistent in route recognition? And most of the time, it's man coverage, but a few times when they're off, you, you know that'll come with more reps and time. But this kid is not afraid to get up, and whoever receiver, you can throw Jerry Rice out there. He's going <laughs> to have the confidence in his own mind that I'm going to try to shut this dude down. And he's physical in his jam. He can run. He's athletic. Uh, he got his hands on a few balls. I think this kid, besides, and I didn't do the Gonzalez like you did. I saw Gonzalez earlier. But I thought this guy, besides Witherspoon that I watched, was a excellent corner. Is going to be a really good corner for the Giants for a long time. I know we've talked about this before, but it's, it's hard probably to figure out through tests or conversations Deontay's mindset or Tay as he goes by versus Emmanuel Forbes' mindset going through the draft process and seeing how that's going to play out. Should you struggle early? Because if Emmanuel approached the game like Tay did, he probably wouldn't be still stuck in this rut maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That's why you do all those tests to try to at least give you some kind of indication on uh, self-efficacy, confidence, whatever you want to call it. And like I said, the more – the successful corners are the ones with the short-term memory and the ones that are over the top confident. And usually because they don't care if they get beat, they'll, they'll put their pick up their helmet, put it back on their head and let's say, let's go again. Some of the guys go in the tank. And I think Forbes is going into the tank a little bit uh, because of some of the plays he's given up this kid. 
he doesn't have any concerns about anything. And if he screws up, I'm fine. Put put me back in there again, coach. Let's go. Yeah, and I've said it before. He was a, an interesting interview. He was sort of quirky, but you got the sense that he he did not care. Like he he was gonna. That's a good trait. Yeah, no, that's right. Not a bad thing for sure. All right, back to me. Mozzie Smith, defensive tackle out of Michigan, went to the Cowboys. I gave him a C, and so he plays mostly two tech. Plays over the center at times. Had him at four, four I uh, uh, a minute or two. And I'll ask. I'll throw this to you, Rick, because he's stout at the point. He's not easy to move the spot, but he doesn't disengage. He's not in the backfield consistently. You see the athleticism and the strength flash, but he's not consistently impacting the game. And is that a more of the case that Dan Quinn wants him eating up space and letting people behind him make plays like Micah Parsons or whomever? Or is this a situation where he's not doing what they were hoping he was going to be able to do at this point? Because it's unclear to me. I don't want to say he's having a terrible start to the season where maybe they're asking him to do things that I don't know about. Yeah, and I don't know what they're asking him to do from a schematic standpoint. I remember talking to my brother, and his two favorite people on the field were the two big hogs that were in front of him. <laughs> and the guys that kept him clean so he can run and make all the plays in the run yeah. game. So some of those guys are asked to two-gap and to hold off offensive line, but you'd still like to see him if they have an opportunity to shed and get off and find a block uh, or find a ball carrier to do that. Uh, so, but I can't answer that because I don't know exactly what they're asking him to do. Maybe they th- he's doing everything right, or right. maybe, but that was some of the issues in coming out of college. There were some games that you look, Ohio State game is like, guy, this guy's a fun phenom. And then you look at other games and it's like he disappeared. So that, that pattern seems to be showing up in the pros, at least in his rookie year. But I don't know the reason why or what they're asking him to do. Yeah, last month, Micah said on his podcast, because everyone has a podcast, you know, Rick, he says, I think Mozzie's coming along great, because I was sort of curious and and to see where where sort of the thought process was with Mozzie. And then Parsons added, I think midseason, late in the season, we get a chance to see Mozzie be dominant. I'm super excited for him. So maybe he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. I gave him a C just because uh, he wasn't as impactful as some of the other players we've talked about. All right, back to you, Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Rick, just so we're clear, he is 6'5". He's not 6'3". Yep. Drafted by the Bengals. Yeah, maybe the most embarrassing introduction I've ever had. <laughs> you were so uncomfortable. You were and so mad. That After that, then I was the one that was greeting the players as they came up onto <laughs> our stage at the combine because that was embarrassing. And I, I felt bad for him. I felt bad for me. I felt exceptionally bad for you. Um, hey, man, 75 days. <laughs> oh, yeah. Back in. <laughs> Sorry, I slipped up for a second. <laughs> <laughs> you slipped back into your old form. Uh, edge rusher, who got drafted by the Bengals? Yeah, well, since Debo did not give us the option of having an incomplete grade, I yeah. went with, uh, he only had 75 snaps, comes in mostly in some pass rush situations, uh, but it's really hard to get a true test or feel for him. I thought that this kid played with a little hesitation, still trying to feel his way. He anchored okay at the point, uh, but not consistently getting off blocks. He'll run. He'll chase. I didn't have any concerns. Not very violent with his hands, especially in the pass rush. He still needs to learn how to get a pass rush plan. He can turn speed to power, but not overly physical walking the offensive tackle back into the uh, quarterback's lap. And he has to learn how to use his hands so he's not locked on so early in the down 
and he has to learn how to get a counter move. I think he is just 21 because a year ago we were saying he's only 20, so he's still young in the process. Again, we talked to Kyle Rudolph. He was only 21 when he came out of Notre Dame, and he talked about how young he was. So there's time, but he just hasn't stepped into the stage and and um, just been you know hit the ground running, and that's okay. But he'll come. He, he, I think because as long as I see him play hard, yeah. And the, one of the things that stuck out is if the quarterback scrambles, he doesn't give up on a play and he'll chase. So I know that he'll play hard. The rest of it will come in time as he grows and learns what the NFL is about and as he matures in his the technical aspect of his game. Speaking of technical aspects and speaking of teammates from Clemson, I have Brian Brzee drafted late in the first round by the Saints. And throughout the draft process, I, I was struggling to see first-round talent, but he had a ton of things going on in his life with his family members, and he had torn his ACL the year before. We talked to him at the Combine, and you and uh, our buddy Pete Prisco immediately made fun of me because I, I fell in love with him as a, as a human being. <laughs> uh, and by the way, he looks to be fully healthy, and he is playing to bar a Rick turn with his hair on fire, and it is awesome. I gave him an A, and I was so excited to see him out there. He hasn't had any injuries to deal with, so he's been on the field consistently. Plays over at three tech, uh, plays a little five tech. They'll line him up over the center. Uh, he is twitchy. He is strong, quick first step. He's shooting gaps, uh, and that's against the pass. Uh, in the run, he'll long arm uh, the offensive lineman in front of him and then shed and make a play. And that's consistently, that is all over the tape. I enjoyed watching Brian Brzee. I'm glad he's balling out. I gave him an A. Yeah, and that was the question. Could he get back to the form he was because he was dominant before the ACL? And then, like I said, all the issues he had to go with and the personal issues with his sister and everything last year. But it's great because he is a great kid and he's a very talented athlete. Uh, and it sounds like he got back to what he was before the ACL. So big fan of his coming out, not only as a football player, but as a uh, human being. And I'm glad he's doing well. Yeah, and if we're doing a redraft, I think he probably, he might go in the top 10, like the way he's playing. Like, and you see the full package. and um. Because, you know, during the pre-draft process, sometimes you hear players are being talked up for whatever reasons, agents or, or media folks, and you don't see it. But this guy has got it, and I'm glad that he is fully healthy, or at least uh, what looks to be fully healthy, because he's he's absolutely balling out. All right, back to you, Rick. We're going to back to the Eagles, because they had what I felt like 27 first-round picks. This is at the end of the first round. They took Georgia edge rusher, Jalen Carter's teammate, Nolan Smith. I would have gave him a D for Debo, <laughs> he's in Philadelphia, but... I gave him a C just because this is another guy. He's played 47 defensive snaps. So it's hard to get a true sense and feel for what he is. A lot of it's more in pass rush situations. He had the one sack in the Miami game, but he got the sack because no one blocked him coming off the edge. That helped. Yeah. But you can see the twitch, the athleticism, everything we talked about in the draft. Has some issues holding up at the point versus a runoff, limited chances. Um, but I think that he will be fine. I, like I said, he may be the next Hassan Reddick on that roster, but right now it's hard to get a true feel for him. So I just gave him a C uh, based off the limitations that we have on this grading scale. Yep, 45 snaps. You mentioned he was on the field. I have Felix Enodike Uzama out of Kansas State. I gave him a C plus. He was drafted into the first round by the Chiefs, and he's only been on the field for 118 snaps, primarily in um, clear pass rush situations. And I, 
correct me, excuse me, if I'm wrong, but I think I remember you saying during the draft process last year that they played him too much reduced. He needed to be wider to let him get after it. So he plays wide now. He plays seven and nine techniques. So they got him out there just getting after The problem is he's going up against NFL offensive tackles who, when they lock him up, uh, he doesn't have a variety of pass rush moves. He's just trying to win with speed uh, and trying to bend around the edge. That's just not working for him. But he, he plays hard, and you just talked about this a moment ago. He'll sideline to sideline you if the if the play goes wide, and he doesn't give up on a play, and he'll get some hustle tackles and hustle tackle for losses. He did that the one sack in the Jacksonville game where he may have been unblocked as well. Um, not doing much in the run game because he's not on the field, but when you're playing with uh, Chris Jones and George Karloftis in front of you and and Dana, you don't need to be out there consistently, much like the same way with Nolan Smith in Philadelphia. So I think his best football is ahead of him, but I just gave him a C-plus uh, for lack of opportunities and lack of showing up consistently just yet. Okay. Let me I agree that. with you. Yeah, great, great job on describing him, and great job evaluating off your 118 snaps. Thank you. I appreciate that. I know you mean it. You sound sarcastic. If you're listening, you may think Rick's being sarcastic. He is being as sincere as he possibly can be. (laughs) All right. We're going to take a quick break here because Rick's got things to do. When we come back, we're going to preview the college football weekend real quick right after this. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no, but angel hair pasta. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. All right, Rick, let's do it. Big weekend, week 10 in college football. And I teased it last week. We didn't get around to it Tuesday because uh, I told Debo to give us a break on the homework. But uh, we will circle back for pop and drop almost certainly. LSU versus Alabama, maybe a ton of names. We'll figure those out. But I want to start with Jaden Daniels because that's a guy who's been popping. If you're watching us on YouTube, you see the CBS Sports slate of games on Saturday. And right in the middle there, Missouri at Georgia, and then LSU at Alabama at 730. Starts with Ohio State Rutgers. Love it. Jaden Daniels, he's been playing some pretty good football. Uh, any initial thoughts about what he's going to be going up against in this Alabama defense? Yeah, no, they have two pretty good corners in Kool-Aid, McKinstry, uh, and then there's a Terry on uh, Arnold Arnold um, who's going to be a prospect down the road eventually in a year or two from now, but Alabama's defense is playing really good in Dallas Turner, but Daniels has been, has taken the next step 
from what we saw last year because he is not only long, he's athletic, uh, but he's throwing the ball a lot better. He has my biggest matchup is is neighbors versus East Corners. Mm. Interesting yes. one to watch. So this game's going to come down to whoever wins this game will win their division and probably play Georgia in the SEC championship game. And the winner of that SEC championship game will get a ticket to the final four. 3.30 on Saturday, Missouri at Georgia. Missouri's a good football team as well. Carson Beck's getting a little love in a post-Stetson Bennett world. And Lad McConkey had a huge game last week. Those, those could be two potential uh, names to watch. Have you uh, done anything on Carson Beck beyond watching Brock Bowers catch all the passes from him? No, just watching him, and he's yeah. he's actually gotten better through the season. And he continues to, like I said, first year as a starter, and he seems to be really progressing uh, and getting more comfortable. The one thing when you want to watch these quarterbacks is, uh, as someone described to me, do they know where all the bones are buried in this offense? And by that I mean if option A is not there, where's option B? Or if the defense does this, I'm going to option B right away. They get to know, like I said, what their answers are to the test. And a lot of it has to do with how quickly they can process that. And I think you're seeing him continue to improve and process knowing where he needs to go and what he needs to do according to what the defense is doing. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Chris Abrams-Drain is a cornerback on Missouri. We'll probably talk about him at some point through the process. Uh, So keep an eye out for that as well. All right. This one's a big one. Another Pac-12 matchup that will never happen again after this fall, uh, at least in the Pac-12. Washington visits USC. Michael Penix Jr. versus Caleb Williams. I would imagine Washington's going to be favored. I haven't looked at the lines because they have so many dudes on that team. What do you think about the uh, quarterback matchup here? I would imagine you think that Caleb probably has a chance to drag this team to the victory again. Uh, I don't know. Because- okay. <laughs> this, I thought, you know, if Cal threw up 49 <laughs> on USC's defense and Fair enough. 50 to 49, if there's an over in this game, I would, and I'm not a betting man, but I would bet the over on this one. Even if it's 76 and a half? I would go with 80. As long as it's, if it's 80 or above, I would take it. Because Washington minus three, by the way. Just minus three. Interesting. 76 and a half minus three. So 76 does and a half sounds sort of low for two guys who know nothing about gambling or pay attention to it. And minus three sounds awfully tight as well. That people, means Washington's going to win by. That, yeah. The people who do that for a profession know something that me and you laymen in the betting world. Is there anything like if I put a dollar on and it says plus 250, is there any way I can win $250? Yeah. Debo took that bet. <laughs> That's the Debo book. At USC, if it was at Washington, that spread is is definitely bigger. Yeah, it feels like. It feels like it'd be like minus nine or something. Maybe yeah. not, because Caleb. You just got to look at I don't know how many points off the top of my head USC's defense has given up, but I did watch that game last week. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, shoot up. <laughs> it's in the millions. All right, but anyway, that game's going to be fun to watch. Of course, uh, Roma Dunze, uh, Jalen Polk, um, Braylon Trice on the other side, Caleb Williams, Dorian Singer. Brendan Rice, all names to watch. Caleb Bullocks. Four to one odds if you bet Caleb Williams 400-plus passing yards. You taking that, Rick? So four to one odds. Which you bet a dollar, you win four, you get back five when you go home at the end of the day. How do I get back five? If it's the dollar four? you bet. Huh? 
Yeah, I'm betting. I'm betting. I'm betting. I, I'll put a dollar up to win five dollars, even though it's four to one odds. You think he's going to throw? For, that's a lot. So essentially, what you're saying is because I gave a dollar, I would get my dollar bet back if I yeah, won. That's right. And then I'd win three more dollars, or I'd win four more dollars. Four. So now that's how I get to the five dollars. Uh, Debo, don't give him the odds next time. Just ask him the question, okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, that game's going to be fun to watch. I'm sure we'll be talking about that because we talk about Caleb every weekend. There's a continues to be a push, by the way, Rick, that Caleb is not quarterback one. Um, the only reason that would happen is because Caleb's dad gets involved. I would imagine otherwise on the field. I don't think it's close, but we have plenty of time to discuss that. And quickly, let's talk about this week nine in the NFL, because there's a chance we have seven rookie starting quarterbacks will be tied for the second most uh, in one week since 1970, Will Levis plays Thursday night at the Steelers. Jaron Hall starting for the uh, against the Falcons, excuse me, in Atlanta. Clayton Toon has a chance to start at the Browns. We'll see where Kyler is. Tyson Bajan is going to make his third start. CJ's back against the Bucks. Bryce is back against the Colts. And then Aiden O'Connell, they're going to let him back on the field because Jimmy G's been benched among all the upheaval in Las Vegas, and they play the Giants. So that's crazy town. We're going to have a lot of quarterbacks to grade for homework. The next That's all you're thinking about. That's what I was thinking about, too. Yeah. Let me like, ask you. We got 22 popper drop guys. We got 32 rookie quarterbacks playing next week. I might as well just start right now. <laughs> Maybe Debo will take it easy on us as he jet sets around the world. Yeah. That's it, Rick. You got out uh, four minutes early. How about that? He's happy. He doesn't want to talk about Debo. He's got stuff to do. All right, that's it. That's a wrap on episode 94 with a special shout-out to – Rick Spielman, who wore 94 during training camp. <laughs> training camp Hall of Famer. <laughs> training camp Hall of Famer. You can see him in Canton. Uh, thanks, as always, to Rick. Thanks, as always, to Debo for producing. And thanks to all you guys who watch, listen, and comment. We'll be back on Tuesday for another Popper Drop. In the meantime, enjoy your football weekend. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.